This week on the Shadow Binders podcast, we're going to talk about marketing, getting your comic out there, uh, what that means to you, uh, advertising, publishing, all of that. So stick around. Welcome back. Uh, as always, I'm Tom Pratt, the artist of Shadowbinders, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Cambria. Hello. She writes Shadowbinders. And uh, this is an interesting podcast because we we'd, uh, this is actually our third take yes. on webcomics marketing. We had uh, recorded a podcast a couple of months ago uh, kind of detailing uh, our thoughts on how to market and promote your comic, and we decided not to use it because we thought it was a little ranty yeah well we had a lot of issues from people getting mad before for things we said so we didn't know if we should tone it down we didn't want to poke the bear we don't want pitchforks and flames you know (laughs) i'm just saying so we recorded another podcast after that and that one just i thought was kind of lukewarm and really didn't yeah didn't get across we wanted to get across didn't get across we wanted to across so we mentioned uh uh a couple of podcasts ago about how we had done these uh, marketing podcasts and people actually came out and said, yeah, we'd love to hear this. <laughs> some people more than others. <laughs> some, some more than others. Yeah, so we're going to try to you know gather our thoughts here. We've had time to think about it and kind of go through and, and do a new take on it. And uh, we're going to hit on the main of the things we, we talked about. Uh, there may be some ranting I'm sure involved. there's going to be some ranting involved. Uh, I'm 100% positive there will be some <laughs> ranting involved. And, uh, you know, you may not agree with us, but that's okay. Yeah, because everybody's different. Yeah, everybody's different. So these are just, you know, our opinions uh, based on our experiences we've been well, doing. The- first, we should preface by saying that Tom's job has been marketing for years. And prior to that, he was an editor. So he kind of knows... Worked in comics professionally. Oh, yeah. So uh, we both worked in comics. So <laughs> we kind of know where we're coming from a little bit. So I mean, yeah, we don't have all the answers, but we, we do have more than a lot of other people, I think, that are yeah, we, we claiming have to have all kinds of answers. You actually have years of experience. Yeah. You didn't just yeah. like start, you know, a couple years ago and are claiming you have years of experience. <laughs> so anywho, um, let's talk about marketing. What are we, when we say marketing, what are we talking about? Uh, marketing is uh, getting your name out there, getting your brand out there, whether it's through advertising or social media, uh, convention appearances, uh, basically just telling people about your product. To make sure they come in. To make sure to they... To look at your product. To look at your product. buy it. Well... That's the goal, to buy it. And that's what's interesting about webcomics is that there's really no product to buy, per well, se. No, there is, but there isn't. Yeah, it's, it's... It's a little bit different. It is different. It's... it's uh, um, a lot of times the web comic tends to be what, what what's called a loss leader, mm-hmm. which is you give the comic away for free, hoping that people will come in and be invested enough to uh, pay for other things. Click on ads and whatnot. Right. Either clicking on ads or buying merchandise. Right. Or buying books. Um, that's sort of up into this point. That's that's sort of been the, the end goal for most web well, comics. Well, explain to people what you mean by branding. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, branding. Branding is, you know, I guess the, the, the easiest way to describe it is the feelings associated with your product or your name. You know, you look at companies like Disney or uh, Apple and you get a certain feeling for what kinds of 
you know, products they produce, what their, their quality levels like, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of want people to have that feeling about your comic, I guess, because you can mention, you know, Homestuck or the oatmeal and immediately you kind of think about the kinds See, of and that, and any comics. webcomics, the branding is more to do with the name and, right. and what, you know, whether the writing's good or the art's good or whatever people associate with it that, that makes it good, they immediately latch onto the name. I think and I think yeah. name is more and with webcomics. But yeah. Well let's talk about um well first of all, it depends on what your end game is. I mean let's be honest here. If your end game is to make this as a living and do this professionally, you're going to have a completely different mindset and approach as to somebody who, I just want this as a hobby, which is a totally valid way mm-hmm. to go about it. A lot of people do. And I don't really care to make money. I just want to tell a story. Well, that's fine. They're both completely valid you know, ways to go about it. Um, and I guess you're going to look at it completely different because it, it can be differently. I can't speak today. <laughs> if you're doing it as a hobby, then you know, a lot of this isn't really going to apply what you're doing yeah actually if you're you're just doing this as a hobby you can probably shut the podcast off let's right hear tom rant because or me rant because that's gonna get fun yeah because what what usually happens is we start talking to people about it. even when we do you know at uh conventions we'll we'll do uh, yeah people panels. ask us or whatever we'll gladly talk about it and they're like well i just want to get i mean we start talking about a lot of stuff and they're like well i just want to put my comic on the internet and that's fine and that's cool you know if that's all you want but let's be honest here. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to make money off of your comic. Yeah. And your daydream is to do that full time. If I had a dollar for every time people said, I want to do this for a living, I wouldn't have to do podcasts with comics <laughs> because I'd have lots of money. And so let's let's be completely, completely honest here. And this is not meant to scare anybody off. But your chances of doing a webcomic full time, even comics full time, are very, very slim. They're not good. It's not impossible. Uh, there Tell are, them how you really feel. Well, no, I'm, I'm, being, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm being realistic, and you have to know, you know what your obstacles are, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not to, to scare people away, but to say, look, you know, this is not going to be easy. You can do it. Oh, it's totally doable. But it's not going to be easy, and I could sit here and tell you, well, if you work hard enough and you... You know, you believe in yourself hard enough, and and golly gee, Willikers, you'll you'll do it someday, Chief. And it's like, ah, you probably won't. Well, those two things will help you. <laughs> they absolutely will help you, but you need more it, than that. It takes more than that. It even takes more than skill. I mean, yes, you can be takes... incredibly skilled and not have the right connections or not have it's the right a lot of breaks. Connections, I, I mean, it's um, well, especially in in comics. I mean, you know, from my own experiences. Most of my work have has come from personal connections. I've mm-hmm. known people. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, I would meet people and they would talk to other people and then the say, hey, oh, I got a guy for you. Let's go right. to Tom. And it's just like any other job, really. You yeah, know, it's the same as it's the same. Yeah, same as any other job. And people tend to forget that that comics well, I think people, is funny, a job. People tend to forget too. They think we just started with Shadowbinders, and that is not the case. I know no. people are like, "Well, I've been around for so many years," and they look at us like, "Oh, you've been around very long." It's like, no, 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 no. We have been doing comics for well, you were doing them before I met you, mm-hmm. and that was a long time ago. So we've been doing them for years and years and years. Um, some professional, some you know, indeed that people paid us to do different things. So we're not coming into this as, "Oh, we've only been doing this for three years," and. When we're come, we're talking. We're talking from years of experience in both print and digital and web. So we've done, you know, both. We're not just saying it from one. Yeah, and I mean, it's not 
like, you know, I was like Jim Lee or anything, but I mean, I always had, you know, indie, <laughs> indie gigs, Sorry. you know, that and so I think, I think that kind of gave us a leg up, um, doing, uh, shadow binders. Cause we kind of knew, I mean, originally we just kind of did it for, you know, just to get a story out there and, and have fun with it. And I wasn't really working on any other projects. So we, we, and I, I, well, you know, I should get a medal just for fighting to get you to do it in the first place. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother. Yeah. That's another story. <laughs> why shadow binders almost never happened. Um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, there, there, there was a lot of, um, you know, backstory here before we even started doing the comic and we, we actually kind of did it backwards cause usually it's folks do web comics and kind of work their way up to doing print, print. comics we and getting did the paid. And we actually did the opposite where, you know, we, we started the web comic. We weren't working on print comics at that point. Mm-mm. So I had the time. Yeah. So the story wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, a superhero book. It wasn't a Disney book. It was, you know, something completely different. Um, well, I never ri- had never written anything either. So that was a little different too. Yeah. It was a learning experience. Even the, the art style was completely different from how I, I usually worked. And, um, well, we need to get back to topic. Yeah, we do need, we need to, to get back to topic. another crazy <laughs> ride down that way. Uh, okay. So, okay. So let's say your end game is you want to do this, um, full time. So you got two things, two ways you can go. One is you build a large audience and they, with it through advertising and, you know, sales and merchandise and th- conventions, things like that, you make enough money that you can get through on that, that way. Or the other way is publishing. Now I'm going to tell you right now, the easier way is probably the advertising and building an audience and that's still hard. So, uh, let's start with that one first. Okay. Um, yeah. Advertising. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the traditional web comics business model if you could say that there is a traditional web comics business model has always been to get a lot of readers and get a lot of money from advertising and it used to pay a lot of money it used to pay a lot more than it did now and people uh forget that they're like why am i you know getting fifty thousand page views a day and not making a lot of money i'm like because the the cpm rates are not what they were 10 years ago right you know um so even the guys that have depended on that all these years, I think, are having a harder time of it. Uh, and, you know, before I continue, CPM, for those of you who don't know, it's it's cost per thousand. So it basically means for every 1,000 ad displays, you get a certain amount of money. So let's just say your CPM is a dollar. So for every 1,000 times that your advertisement is or, or somebody displays an ad on your page, you're going to get a buck for that. Right. Uh, so there's two different up. ways there too. You can either do it as just add impressions or add clicks. Yeah, there's cost per click too, which is different. That's CPC, and uh, Google tends to, well, they tend to mix that. And usually, you know, somebody could be willing to pay up to a dollar, dollar fifty per click. You know, every time somebody clicks on that, so you only get ad. charged when they actually click on your ad. Yeah, that's if you're if you're advertising. If you're if you're actually oh, spending right, the money. Yeah. yeah, if you're actually spending the money to advertise. Uh, which you should do. Uh, we're gonna you, get there in a minute. Yeah, we're gonna get there. But then you're you're basically charged per one thousand impressions or, or or per uh, ad click. Um, so those are the the differences, CPM and CPC, and we'll we'll talk about that. And I think we you know need to explain that a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as the ad rates go, they're not really what they were before, and even then, uh, to to get the kind of money that you would need to live on, you're talking, you know, a hundred thousand page views a day, probably to, to, cause figure if you get, 
a CPM of a, a buck, you know, and you need a hundred dollars a day to live on. Well, there you go. Yeah. hundred thousand page views a day. So it kind of reminds me of the old Steve Martin skit where they, they talked about, uh, you know, how to make a million dollars, not pay taxes. He's like, first you make a million dollars. And then when the IRS shows up on your doorstep, you say, I forgot. You know? <laughs> and it's kind of that way too, where, where you never, oh man, that was classic. Um, but that's the way it is with web comics too, where it's like, you know, a lot of the, the talk about how to make money in web comics is all dependent on how large your audience is. And you're not really going to make a lot of money off of webcomics until you build your audience size. No, but there are people who have a smaller audience that have people that are more invested, which that's does true. happen as well. That is true. And that's where, like, you know, crowdfunding and Patreon and things like that, you know, come into play because those people might not have as many numbers, but the people are more willing to spend money because you can have a large audience and then no one wants to pay anything. I want it for free and that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, numbers don't always mean. No, and that's, that's it too. And then, you're, then you start talking about, you know, audience engagement, how engaged is your audience? Are they willing to spend money mm-hmm. on your product? And I've seen, you know, even with, with Kickstarter and stuff, I've seen some, you know, relatively large comics. They have large readerships. They get a lot of page views, not do as well on Kickstarter as some that maybe don't have as large of an audience, but their readers are more invested right? and they're willing to spend money. And now with places like Patreon and stuff too, you don't need a large readership to get some money from that either. Right. So, um, but back to the advertising things. Okay, where are some places that you can advertise? Um, well, everybody knows about Project Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem with that is there aren't as many places as there used to be to advertise. Like no. people have taken their boxes down for one reason or another, <laughs> and um, we won't go into that. But um, that's the one place I think most people use or know to use. And the and if you haven't used Project Wonderful, um, what's good about that is it's kind of like eBay for advertising. Where you can put in that I'm willing to pay up to so much a day on a certain site, and then you, if someone wants to pay more than you, they'll get the ad. If they don't, you get the ad, mm. and you can get places relatively, you know, for relatively low money. Yeah, or you, high money, depending where you want to go. <laughs> so. Yeah, there there are some high dollar sites out there. I mean, the vast majority of web comics, again, this comes down to the numbers, and 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 a lot of them don't have, you know, don't get a lot of traffic. So you might only pay a few cents a day. To be on them, but then again, you might not get many hits because you they don't might, get much traffic, right? So it's a chicken or egg thing to actually advertise on the the big sites that do get a lot of traffic. You know, like your home stocks, whatever. You're gonna pay through the nose, and you may be competing with some people that are willing to pay uh, through the nose even more than you are. Yes. So and they do. I mean, we're talking we're talking large amounts of money when you get the places. Hundred dollars a day. Yes, when you get the places like you know, yeah, questionable content. Homestuck. Yeah, Olaf, Olaf or Olaf. I never know how to pronounce it. Whichever. The dirty comic. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean, there's certain places that you're going to be paying more money to advertise. Now, yeah. that goes back to the point of a lot of people think, I'm just going to put it up on the internet and people are going to find it. I'm going to tell you, it does not work that way. No. You figure how many new comics start every day for new web comics, and you're competing against people that have been around for years, people that are just starting. And you you need attention. You're going to have to get attention to ad- by advertising, and you're going to have to spend some money. Yeah, people aren't just going to find you. And, and that's the thing, too. And you got to realize, you know, a lot of the comics that are established today, um, you know, they, they came about in, in a time, I mean, a lot of them before YouTube. Well, yeah, there wasn't as much competition. There wasn't nearly as much competition. I mean, there were a lot of comics back then, but nothing like there is today. I mean, oh, no, no. It's it's like there's hundreds a, a it's day a glut. that start. It's you a know, glut. It's just, you know, and, it's crazy. And, you know, there are 
you know, new comics starting every day, and you have a lot of, you know, like established print professionals right. coming in and starting oh, print yeah, comics now. Oh, yeah, that's the new thing is a lot of print people coming in. Print people are coming in now. You've they got, have a built-in audience. They bring their built-in audience with them. You have publishers who, you know, used to cringe at the thought of putting content uh, online for free, you know, putting samples up all the time. Yep. Uh, so, you know, again, this goes back to the beginning, and I'm not trying to scare anybody off, but, you know, your your chances are not terribly good well you only but, have so many eyeballs online right. and a lot of the people share audiences but there's only so many eyeballs online yeah and you need to get the attention you're going to have to advertise or do something to get their attention mm-hmm. advertising just happens to be one of the easiest ways to do it yeah it's it's but it's not cheap i mean effective no. to do effective advertising and now when we talk about marketing i want to clarify too marketing is not just advertising just throwing ads up putting an ad box on your page is not marketing right Right, that's not the same. It's part of it. It's part of it, but there's a lot more to it. It's it's kind of like, you know, the advertising leads them to the door, but you're still marketing yourself once they're inside your mm-hmm. your, your virtual building. You know, right. once you're inside the store, you can lead somebody to... Sears. To Sears, but if they go inside Sears and there's all kinds of garbage and junk... Like there wasn't that one with, yeah, the, with the boarded up... And they, call, they, they actually use that now. That Sears is, is like the laughing stock of the internet. They use it... Um, uh, it was a Sears. It was actually the hometown store, I think, um, in Chicago, and they didn't want to spend the money to repair the windows. So they boarded up the windows, and so people are going in. Here's like Sears flagship store with a bunch of plywood in the windows. Right. So the point being, you know, leading you, them to, there, you have to, to have something to keep is, them there, right? You, so yeah, so you, do you put your best foot forward on your work as well, because you know you don't have to be the best artist in the world. You don't have to be the best writer in the world. One of the other, one you have to have enough. Enough there to keep people there after you get them there. Right. So you want to have, you know, a good looking, easy to use site. Um, you want to make sure your comic, first and foremost, I mean, if your comic's not good, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Right. It's people aren't going to stick around. They're not going to read it. So if people, if you have friends or other readers who are people that you trust are telling you, you need to work on some things, you might want to listen if that's, if you, if, cause that might be why you're not, you're throwing money into advertising. You're not getting anybody. They might have some legitimate Things you might want to consider. Yeah, and I, I've seen that before. I've seen, you know, comics throw ridiculous money. I mean, they're parked in, like, every Project Wonderful box, but they're not retaining a readership, and it's because... Well, that's a good litmus test. Spend 20 bucks. Yeah. A lot of people say they spend a lot of money, but then their pre-readers don't stay. Well, you know, you, you aren't going to get all... You, all, your, all your hits that come in, you're not going to retain everybody. No. Let's just be honest here. The retention, you're not... You're going to have some retention level. And what we're talking about is people that are going to return and come back because they like it. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you're not, you might get a thousand people in the site and maybe only a hundred people come back. Mm. But if you're throwing a whole bunch of money in and you're getting hardly anybody coming back after you do this for a while, then there's gotta be something else you need to look for about your site, about your comic, about something that you're doing that they're not, you should be getting some kind of retention. Yeah. Look at, look at, I mean, I, I think uh, again about, you know, these restaurant shows that they have, the reality shows where you can have a, a fantastic restaurant, have people come in and you market it and you've got the, you know, whatever special come in and it's packed, but then they taste the food and they're like, the food's not any good. I'm not coming back. You know, hey, the opposite problem with the food's great, but the restaurant looks so bad that people yeah. take one look at it like, oh, I'm not staying I'm here. I'm not eating here. Look at the forks are dirty. And, yeah, that you know, kind of thing. Or so I can't find it. It's some down some back alley and I have no idea. So if you're not getting the retention that you think you should be getting, you might want to ask some people that are in comics that maybe, you know, people that are doing where you where you want to be or that 
the library is pretty good at helping everybody else and, and see if they might have some ideas because maybe there's something that you're completely missing that if you just do a couple tweaks, it would be better, you know, and start finding some people that might help you yeah, get your attention up. Right, right. And, you know, the, 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 the first place to start is usually if, if you can find someone who is where you would like to be um, and ask them. Um, but then you got to realize, too, that, you know, everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. What we're saying might not work. I mean, for you, it might work for other person. It's just that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to web comics. Okay. So we, we talked about, uh, project wonderful and that's sort of the, the no brainer, I guess, for web comics. Uh, you know, it's really tailored for web comics, but uh, if you want to reach people outside of, which is what you probably should do web comics, right. You need to look into some other options and, um, you know, even since we started our comic, there have been a lot more options to advertise in social media, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can pay yeah, for ads. Yeah, but Facebook isn't Facebook is, I, I'm really, questionable. It, it was a lot more effective. You used to be able to uh, set it up that you would basically pay for page likes. Like if somebody liked the page, you would pay for that, or they would call it an interaction. And now it just seems like you're sort of, you know, burning money. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, Facebook's iffy. But there's other places like uh you've got Twitter. Um Twitter's doing sponsored tweets now. Uh Tumblr I believe is doing something similar to that, but I think it's it's pretty expensive. DeviantArt does as well. DeviantArt um is another good one because you're actually advertising to people who are looking for art. They're, <laughs> they're looking for art, so chances are they may find your uh comic interesting um and again these are these are lower dollar amount okay now when you get into solutions. like the uh adsense and okay then yeah the, actually the, the most effective way to if, if you can't find um sites to advertise on directly and there are places like buy sell ads or buy ads where you can actually advertise on sites directly. oh yeah you can actually go if they have a box for that you can just buy a spot we have that yeah. on ours so people just pay so much money for to run it so long in that spot and they get to buy the spot directly yeah our ours um our leaderboard at the top of the site uh you can actually buy that it it it, it uh, supersedes whatever we have running in our ad right. chain. And I've got so many, there's a couple hundred thousand impressions a month that are set aside just for buy, sell ads. Mm-hmm. So if people buy that space, it'll, you know, kind of, uh, it just throws into the ad but chain. But a lot of sites use that. So you can they find do. some places that like that or the Google. Yeah. And you're usually in a case like that, you're paying cost per thousand. So I know in our case, you're paying cost per thousand. Um, so, but you also have the option of paying for the month. You might be able to buy a whole spot for the month for, mm-hmm. you know, fairly inexpensive price. Uh, Google AdWords is still pretty effective if you know how to set it up. And this is a whole, I would do some homework on that because it can get real expensive real yeah, quick. Yeah, you do it wrong. Uh, <laughs> He's like, oh, crap. Just, just throwing out some keywords and, and, and putting a really high uh, cost per click on that is not going to work. Um, oh, to work, but it's going to cost you a oh, lot of money. Oh, you could burn through a thousand bucks in an hour. Yeah, if you, we you repaired that. Yeah, put a cap on it yeah. for sure. Yeah, you, you definitely want to cap it. Um, and be smart about where you advertise. We don't use a lot of uh, uh, text ads because they're easily, you know, they're clicked on accidentally and and they 
throw them up wherever. And there's a lot of click fraud, you know, associated with that. So yeah, we've actually had that happen. Well, we, we have. Yeah, we clear, that's something else. Click fraud. A couple of people have had things happen. There's two different things that can happen. One thing that can happen is you put an ad box up on your site and people click it repeatedly thinking they're helping you and then you're banned that you can't have that box anymore, mm-hmm. which I know people that that's happened to. And the other one is that somebody else is clicking the box. Okay, your ad's running on a certain site. And then that person might not like you or whatever. So they keep hitting your ad to, one, make it look like they're getting ad clicks and, two, to charge you each time they hit your box. Yeah. And we've actually had our money refunded. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, basically where it came from, too, because the money was refunded to us for a click fraud from a certain site. Yeah, it's it's because they actually have click bots out there. And it's this is I we're going to get into that in a minute. We'll my, get my into love, my, I'm going to rant about that. Okay, we're going right to get into cheating. And let's just let's be honest here. When you're on the Internet. That's my biggest uh, pet peeve. It's not always things are not always as they seem on the Internet. But, yeah, you could advertise someplace and they could basically you know, trick you into thinking they're getting more traffic than they actually are or, you know, whatever. So when, when you run an ad campaign, wherever you run that ad campaign, my, my suggestion is to make sure you're, you're watching the store and, and watch your traffic flow. You can use Google analytics to, to get like a live stream of your traffic and, and maybe something else like site meter, uh, watch the traffic, and if you have a lot of people coming in and they're hitting one page and bouncing off, and that's what and they call And they're there for less than a second? Chances are, yeah, it was either clicked accidentally or clicked by a click bot. Which is what happened to us, and we got refunded right. a couple times. Now, if people are coming, and you, it's also effective, too, because then you can kind of track, you know, look, on this particular site, these people come in, and they tend to read, you know, dozens of pages or hundreds mm-hmm. of pages Versus this other site where they come in, read two or three, and then they leave. Yeah, so you have a better idea where you should advertise. Right. That's the same with Project Wonderful. It's trial and error. I mean, a lot mm. of people, um, a lot of people are going to be starting out in there, and people ask, well, where should I advertise? Well, target places, the comics that are similar to yours. Mm. Now, we've actually been on places that aren't similar to ours, and we do pretty well. Um, it's just a trial and error kind of thing, and you can run campaigns even, and things to see where you're getting a lot of traffic from, and then you can target those sites directly. So, yeah. you know, this one works for me. And also, don't send the same site all the time. You want to rotate. I I think after you've been up there for like, you know, two or three weeks, people are going to say, oh, I already saw that. Um, so change your ads, you know, every few months. And I'd also change where you advertise because people, they start seeing you all the time. They, don't, they just don't think to click on you. They forget you're there. They just block you out. And if you wait and come back to a site like a few months later and start advertising again, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. And then they'll click on it again. Yeah, you can kind of wear out your welcome. And I, people just tend to, and they've done they've done studies on this where I, People are so used to advertising on the internet now that they sort of just block out right. the ads. And um, so try to be creative with your ads. And right, be creative with your ads. Don't use the same ad for you know two years. Think about things <laughs> that pop that might you know catch your attention. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah, think about the site you're advertising on too. You know, even the color scheme. Something as simple as the color scheme. If the site is black. And your ad is black. We've actually done certain color ads on certain sites just because we knew the colors would pop. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, I mean, that's, that's again, because from experience in marketing, yeah. you you know, you think about that kind of thing, too. Or you want to run an ad on a certain site, make sure that, yeah, your colors, it's going to stand out. It's not going to blend in with everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, they're talking about that. Okay, let's talk about numbers. And, um, well, we're advertising to try to get numbers. Or you want to advertise a site that has numbers. Okay, so now this is where I start getting a little bit 
One of my biggest pet peeves is, is cheating. But um, numbers. Okay, your goal, obviously, is to grow your numbers uh, for many reasons. Um, mostly people want to grow their numbers because if you have more people, you have more chance of getting more money for your ads. You have a better chance of selling. You have a better chance of doing a crowdfunding campaign and doing you know well. Mm. So you want people to come in and actually read it. Um, this is where Alexa, I think, comes into play. Yeah, people, you know, they... they, they... <laughs> People have have been slamming on Alexa. They say it's not a completely accurate picture of of uh, traffic, and I completely agree with that. It's not a completely accurate picture of a site's traffic, but chances are pretty good that you know, at least from a bird's eye view, the numbers are are fairly representative of how much traffic approximately a site gets and how Alexa works. Um, and you go to Alexa.com, is basically the lower the number uh, on the website, the, the better performing the site is. Uh, and there are a number of factors there. Mostly it goes by the Alexa toolbar, but it also goes by some other stuff. So, of course, you're going to have you know Google and Facebook being you know number one and two, mm-hmm. respectively. It goes by Lincolns. And obviously, if you have a lot of Lincolns from sites that are bigger, more respected sites, it's going to up your score because right. that means that people your LinkedIn places that matter. It gives weight to your... Uh, you know, listing and how, uh, you know, it can be used. Um, well, why is it important? Why is Lex important? Well, Lex is important because even though it's not 100% accurate, even though well, nothing is, honestly, nothing is. And actually, I think it's more accurate than compete.com or some other tools. Uh, even though it's not 100% accurate, advertisers still look at Alexa and they still, that's Alexa, what they look at the most. They, they do. Um, so an advertiser, when deciding whether or not your site is worth advertising on or how much they're going to bid, if you're running you know, uh, AdSense on your site and your site comes up and they look at the Alexa, they may be like, okay, well, you're over 200,000. Uh, that's just not enough traffic for us. So it's well, not good. That goes in the place, too, which we didn't talk about advertising places you can get to, you know advertisers you can run ad boxes on your page mm-hmm. but they it, you know companies that come in and they'll run ads and the places like legit is who we use well they're mm-hmm. they're our new name now what are they called now sovereign i think sovereign now. and but, what else what who else is out there that can run ads uh um, um, mad ads mad ads media is one they're they're okay uh let's see pulse point um obviously adsense uh, and there are a few others out there. And a lot of them go by how much traffic you get to get the better ads right. or to get some of these bigger ad places at all. You have to have a certain level of traffic. And that's what they look for at the Alexa. Well, even buy, sell ads. Yeah, they look at your Alexa, but they also look at your page views. If, if your site gets less than, I think it's less than 100,000 page views a month, it's not eligible to even right. be in you know, buy, sell ads. So, so you have to look at a couple things. You know, I mean, when you look at the advertisement, why Alexa is important is because... Alexa is what a lot of the advertisers use. It's kind of like the standard mm. used. And so that's why people go by Alexa as often as they do. And um, also, I think that people said that the lower the number, the more accurate it usually is with the Alexa also. Yeah, once, once it, it dips, because Alexa doesn't really keep close tabs on, on your site until you're under 100,000. When you're under 100,000, you'll actually see if you, if you pull up any website on alexa.com and you plug it in you can see on the little uh, uh chart that they have when it's been under a hundred thousand that's mm-hmm. when alexa really starts to pay closer attention yeah, there's some blue blips on it you know it's been under the hundred thousand yeah. yeah and um 
And it's also, if you want to get an idea to, you know, I'm not going to say compete with people, but I know people compare themselves to other people. Everybody does it. I mean, come on. Let's be <laughs> honest here. Everybody compares themselves yep, to yep. other people. If you want an idea, like, okay, where am I on my Alexa compared to so-and-so on their Alexa? I kind of know what they get traffic-wise. You know, you can look and compare them. Yeah, they actually have a tool where you can you can plug in multiple websites and it'll show you a side-by-side comparison. Right. So yeah. that just gives you an idea um, about, so you can, you know, okay, well, I want a kind of idea of here's where I am, what's so-and-so at. You know, I want to, I, I respect them. I want to see what I have to do to, to be up to their level. Right. You know, and then you can check it out. The other thing about um, the numbers and the Alexa and things, this is where I start getting really irritated, is my number one pet peeve with webcomics is the amount of cheating. I have no problem if you don't cheat. But if you're cheating your numbers... And people do it all the time. Yeah, they're yeah. I mean, we could that that could be a whole other podcast. Gosh, it drives me nuts. Why it doesn't pay to cheat? Why why would people cheat their numbers? Um, well, if you're if well, you're it's depe- not going to help you. No, if you're dependent on advertising, and they're, they're they actually have what they call um, you know like AdSense safe traffic. You can buy now. Here's the thing, and some of you are like, what what what, what do you mean by cheating? What we mean by cheating is that if you are an SEO type person, okay, and you're into all of this sort of stuff, you can buy traffic. Yes, that's right. You can buy traffic to come to your site. And sometimes they're real people. They just get tricked into going to your website. And that's basically how it works. Or they're, they're bots. But usually it's real people. They just get tricked into going to your website somehow. Um, and there are several companies that sell traffic. Uh, and you can drive it to your website. Why would you do that? Uh, because some of those places offer AdSense safe, quote unquote, traffic that and you can. And the more traffic you get that's AdSense safe, the more money you get off of ad boxes. And who's the people most likely to use that? People who have a lot of, that are very dependent and have a lot of ad boxes. Right. So people that are dependent on advertising, the temptation could be there. Um, to to start funneling traffic into their websites because they want that ad revenue. And that's sort of an old the black trick. hat trick. And I know Google's gotten better about it. I think some of the other... Um, well, didn't they get on one of that? Was it one of the Priceline or what was it? Who was it? There was, was a bigger company that got in trouble. For it was. Doing it that. wasn't. Maybe it wasn't price. Well, one of those. One of those travel booking companies got in trouble with Google. I think it was Travelocity. And, oh, it might have been Travelocity. I think it was Travelocity. It was one of the big booking companies got in trouble with Google because they were doing this. Yeah, they were basically, you know, tricking people into going to the website, um, and you know, it's it's questionable. I mean, even though it might be legal, it's like here's the thing: as a web comic, okay, other than ad revenue. Uh, how is it going to benefit you at all to have phony readers come in? Because they're not going to help gonna, you. They're not going to read your comic. They're going to come in. They're going to be counted as a unique visitor, which helps your whoever is running your ads. Yeah, so if you have someone saying, oh, look, last month I suddenly went from you know, 10,000 unique visitors to, wow, we got 100,000 unique visitors and we're up to 2 million pages this month all of a sudden. Yeah, it's called You Bought It. I mean, yeah, so, I, I mean, that's the thing. I unless mean, you, you got links somewhere like, you know, some big, big, big blog. Like front page of Boing If you got links somewhere, you maybe... then, yeah, you can understand it. But it doesn't, it just doesn't happen that way. And what else to look for is, where do you buy this up? It's not just AdSense ones. You can just buy traffic. You can mm-hmm. just buy, you can buy unique visitors. You can buy repeat clicks. You can yep. buy pretty much everything. Yeah. It costs you money. It's questionable. Um, you need a lot of money. So if you're someone, you know, oh, I've got a lot of money. Well, you know, yeah, there it's, you it's go. It's not cheap. 
Uh, but I know some, uh, you know, advertising networks do it, some blogging networks do it because they basically are so dependent on that advertising uh, revenue that they resort to some rather underhanded tricks yeah. to, and to one, keep the traffic something flow. Something else where Alexa comes in too is you can watch, you can see where people's traffic sources are. And with a lot of the bot traffic, you will find that, well, U.S. traffic you can buy, but it's a lot more expensive. Mm. Um, a lot of times uh, you, you can get traffic from like what, Finland, Trinidad, um, yeah, I, Austria, Austria is another Spain, one. China. Um, I, I want to, I want to say the reason that the U S traffic is worth more. And some people have tried to say, well, our international traffic's worth as much. No, if you go to a- any advertising network, whether it's AdSense or legit or pulse point, they're going to tell you what your CPM rate is for two regions, America and the rest of the world. And the reason being is that the, the, the American traffic frankly, is worth more to the advertiser. To the advertiser. I'm not saying that we're both. No, 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 no. The it's advertisers. Worth more to the advertisers than international traffic. So For you whatever may, reason. Yeah, like uh, you may have a, a CPM rate of a dollar U.S. versus like 15 cents international. Right. What you can see also in Project Wonderful, a lot of times the, the, the going rate for, a, for a, a U.S. ad box is a lot higher than for other countries. Yeah, that's why it's they the separate same it like that. And, and the, the simple truth of that is that most of the companies that spend the big bucks on advertising are American companies. Or they're targeting Americans. Or they're targeting Americans. Because um, America spent a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. Americans we're one of the big, are... We're a huge consumer. Huge and consumer. Even yeah. if you're in a foreign country, you're going to target, you know, America. But, um... But back to that, you know, that's something else. You know, it's always funny to me when you're, like, looking at Alexas and you see somebody that, like, one month they have an Alexa mm. and it's like, oh, they're 80% of their traffic's from, like, Spain. And then, like, the next month they must have got a deal on American traffic because all of a sudden their American traffic is, like, 80% American traffic and, like, 10% Canadian traffic and then all the Spanish traffic is gone. And it's like, if they were legitimate readers... You'd still have your Spanish traffic. You know yeah, what I mean? They yeah. wouldn't just disappear. Yeah, it's and that's that's one. Sorry, one, I'm ranting, but oh my gosh, does it tick me off? Yeah, that, that's one thing that Alexa is very good at is it'll actually tell you the percentage of of your readership, what country they come from, and it always raises a red flag. You know, especially when we look to advertise on other sites too, it raises a red flag when, when we check. That's how we know these things because yeah. we check to advertise on their sites. Yeah, when you've got a site that is in English, it's a, it's a comic, it's it's written in English, and they've got a huge, like, Portuguese or, yeah. you know, African readership or something. It really makes you wonder, like, because the vast majority of web comics... Well, they speak English in Africa, to see. Well, yeah, I know, but the, I'm just saying, that <laughs> you may have a small... Usually, it'll look like, you know, if you're on the level, you'll probably have, I would say, at least probably 60-70%. Yeah, unless you're one of the really, really big ones that have been around for years, they usually have a, a huge more diversified, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you're creating an English comic, it's going to be read If your comic's and, only been around like a year and your traffic's 70%, you know, Spain one month and then 70% United States next month, it's a little bit questionable. Yeah. And if you're claiming you're getting like this ridiculous amount of uniques and all this other stuff and, you know, you're, oh, I got, you know, a million pages this month and stuff and you've been around for like, you know, it, 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 right. it's questionable. It, it's questionable. But I'm sorry to agree about this. No, it's just, that's, oh, that's... my gosh, it ticks me off and people are, they, they buy stuff and then they just like, they sit there and they're like, oh, look at us. We're so, we're bigger, they than, brag we're about bigger it. than so-and-so. And it's like, no, you're not. You're cheating. And yeah, then, I know. I know. And, and it just all it takes is some money. And um, it's just, oh, my God. Or the other thing that people are doing now, too, is running their traffic through blogs. Yeah, you can do that, too, to, to, to try to um, – because Google, the, their page rank system usually goes by the number of, of backlinks that you have. 
Um, same Which with also Ale- helps for Alexa, too. Right, and it helps Alexa, too. And advertising money. And it also helps you know boost your, your ranking on Google, usually, if, if they're quality sites. Uh, people go and they, they buy backlinks, and you can buy, you know, like 100 backlinks or whatever off of some site, and they'll throw you on blogs, and they kind of, or... That's those, not what I'm talking about. You you can get backlinks. Or, I'm talking about the ones that are blogs that are set up specifically to run traffic through to try yeah, to make are, it look legitimate there for are, advertisers. There are places that, you know, again, getting into this, you know, black hat SEO, there are places they'll set blogs up for you and then they basically redirect. Like the, they could have a blog about dog grooming or something like that. And then what it does is actually redirects to your site. Right. So like, they as if they in, put as if they link to your site they thought something you said was important. Right. And then to advertisers it looks like it's kind of like laundering money. Except pretty you're much, laundering ad you're laundering impressions and advertisers or you know, advertising money and like people that are coming to your site that aren't really real. Yeah, and then what happens a lot of times to, you know, sort of uh I think offset that, you know, lots a lot of times they'll they'll pull in ad code from somewhere else. You know, so it doesn't show the ad codes actually being on that yeah, site. Yeah, it's a the lot ad, of scammy things. It is. There are a lot down. of. There are a lot of. Sorry, I don't mean to rant about this because it's kind of off topic of the marketing. But oh my gosh, does it tick me off? Well, there are a lot of. I know a lot of like larger blog networks and stuff like that do it, and it's all. It's all. It's basically all a game to get that short term goal, which I is know it ad revenue. And I know it shouldn't affect, like, we, why should we care? And I know I shouldn't care because it doesn't really affect me. I mean, because we don't do that. No. But it irritates me because it's like we bust our butt and we legitimately get somewhere on our own merit. And then people are coming in and like, you know, oh, hey, look, I did bigger than you. I'm bigger than you. Let me, let me show you my screen capture, my bottom numbers, show you how much bigger than you I am. Yeah, you can't no see where they came sources, from. No, yeah. And they're like, oh, look, oh, we're, we're, we're gigantic compared to you. And they've done nothing but buy it. Yeah, you could, I mean, theoretically, you could, if you wanted to, to, let's, you know, pull the gloves off here, if you wanted to bullshit people, you could go spend a couple thousand dollars and, and say that your site gets, you know, 15 million page views a month or something because you bought a bunch of traffic. You can buy a million page views a month. Oh, yeah, it's pretty easy, damn it's easy. easy. Um, and then you can take a screen capture of that and then shove it in people's faces and say, look how successful I am. Look at all my traffic I get. But you're not seeing what's behind... The numbers. That it's you're... like I compare it to Easter Bunny. Okay, so you're going to the store and you're going to buy a chocolate rabbit for an Easter basket, and you got two rabbits there to choose from, and one's smaller and it's you know not as fancy, but it's solid and it's sitting there and it's like you know maybe three dollars and it, it and you know it's not as expensive and fancy, and the one next to it is like ten bucks and it's like this big rabbit, it's huge and it's got this gorgeous wrapper and it has like edible gold on it and all this other stuff and it you know it's you know it's really for fancy. 10 bucks. And, okay, so it's hundred bucks <laughs> and it's really fancy. And it's really like, oh my gosh, that's so, look how big it is. It's huge. It's awesome. Oh my gosh. And then you go to, then you buy the bunny and you go to eat it and you find out that it's all hollow. It's yeah. a hollow bunny. You paid for the packaging, you paid for the bullshit, and it's all a hollow bunny. And the other bunny, if you had bought it, it was actually a solid bunny that actually had substance and it, was, it wasn't hollow inside. You, like, like some people. It was you, hollow inside. Sorry and, I'm ranty, but I mean, oh my gosh, this makes me mad. And when you bite into it, it crumbles just like your dreams. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, oh my gosh. And I know it doesn't really affect us. It really doesn't. You it know, doesn't because... It, it, just, it, just, it just annoys me. It's, it's, I mean, that's the thing about, and this is the difference, you know, again, between doing an internet-based uh, product versus, you know, a published product is there's, there's, there are very few sheriffs in Dodge and it's Dodge City, and it's still kind of the Wild West, and it's a lot easier to, um, 
hoodwink people when you're not going through an established system with checks and balances. And, uh, you know, so uh, the, you know, what we're trying to say. And why do people hoodwink you? Because let's be honest, okay, they're all about advertising. If they have, why would they hoodwink you? They'd hoodwink you because they want you on the, the more of the hits they get. The more money, the more money they get. Yeah, because so usually, it's usually like, what happens? It's like Amway. Yeah, pretty much it is. It's like Amway. It's basically you get a bunch of people into your your network or whatever, and if you're making money off of them, uh, then it's in your best interest to pad the traffic to make it look more now, appealing to these new people. And I'm not saying all networks are bad because there's a lot of no, legitimate there are networks. Some that are good. There are legitimate networks that are out there right now. I mean, a lot of the ones that are bad have already folded. I mean, for the most part. Yeah. And there's a lot of legitimate ones out there that are good. Um, we were on Keenspot. The only reason we left Keenspot was because we wanted to try some new things with our comic and we wanted to make sure that we could do that, you know, whether it be with print or whatever. So we wanted to make sure we were free to do that. So, which brings me up to contracts. So if you want yeah, to join, uh, well, we're we're talking. About, okay, so we're going from we're talking about the advertising. We're talking about not not cheating. Uh, so next, we're going to get into what talking about collectives. and Well, contracts. yeah, because you were saying about you know groups and stuff. Yeah. So that's why I said about it. You okay, know? so let's let's segue into that because usually if you're going to to get in some kind of an ad network, chances are you're going to be part of a collective or a group. Yeah, because the more um, traffic you get, the better chance you have the better, of getting the better, group better gets, ads they get a, they get overall. Right, right. And there's lots of groups. And a lot of the ones, you know, there have been some really scammy ones in the past, and most of them have go- are gone. Thankfully. Like, I know the topostic's good now, but what they used to before wasn't too good, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There That's some what we're saying. And, uh, or something. Or I, I but don't they're okay know. now. Yeah, we, yeah we, we we have stuff on there. We have no trouble with Tapas. If you're worried about Tapas and people are saying about it, it's fine. We have no trouble with them. But um, there's other collectives and stuff. Like, you know, why people ask us several times, why did you leave Keenspot? Like, there's this big secret. Like, ooh, why is it? There's no secret. We wanted to go try some different things with the comic, and we couldn't do it effectively as part of a collective. Yeah. Was the big secret. And yep. they were really cool and said, oh, that's okay. No problem. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> so, no, there's no bad blood between us and Keenspot. I, I, I mean, honestly, they, they let us out of the contract early because we asked. If, if they said, no, sorry, you're going to have to stick around, then we, we signed. The, we would have stuck around. We would have. We signed the papers. We would have. But this, so. is what, this is what brings us to the contracts. Here's the thing with contracts you have to watch out for. When you join anything or you're doing anything and, you know, we're going to talk about publishing here soon, anything like that. Contracts. Always have a contract. Always make sure you have an out clause in mm-hmm. your contract. Because if you want to be somewhere and find out that it's not, it's the hollow bunny and you're stuck there, you know, and you can't get out. You're trapped in the hollow bunny. Yeah. It's kind of like that, what was that, oh, sure, black hole movie at the end, he's trapped in the robot or whatever. It's kind of like that. Oh, the Disney You're the trapped. Black you're trapped. Anyway, you don't be trapped. So, um, always have an out clause. And with your contracts, you should have a lawyer look at them. Um, if you can, at least read them really well yourself. I mean, even they did, they, on the, um, what was that one? Oh, sure. My mind went blank. Strip search. They did a whole segment on how to spot issues in a contract. Yeah, and, and the thing here, too, is that not all contracts are valid. I mean, you could have somebody, you know, if they default on their end, mm-hmm. you know, they can they can essentially render... The contract null and void. So if they, if they agree to pay you X number of dollars per month on the by whatever the fifteenth of the month every month, and they don't do that, then that might actually be your out invalidate the contract right. because they didn't keep their end of the bargain. Yeah, no, you have to keep your end of the bargain. So do they? Yeah, yeah, it works two ways. And um, so you could just—I mean, there have been situations before where publishers haven't 
uh, you know, kept up their end of the bargain, and people could get out of their contract. Well, that's how people got their property back and stuff mm-hmm. a few times because they had they their IP was going to be taken by the and then they got out because they didn't hold up their whole end of their bargain, so they were able to get out on a loophole or whatever. Yeah, I think people people are under the the impression that you know the uh, contract is ironclad and you know they're trapped and they have to you know do whatever, even if the company is being complete, you know crap to them. And that's not the case. I mean, that's, again, that's why you need a lawyer because a lawyer will tell you, you know, whether or not you have an out. And sometimes there's an out where you don't think there's an out because, you know, just the way the contract was written. Right. You know, so. Yeah. It's always have, you know, make sure one, you're getting contract from reputable people and they, they, they probably had a lawyer do it, make sure they did. And that you're going to be getting signing contracts. You're going to need to either read it really, 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 really well if you don't have a lawyer mm. or maybe have some of your friends who have had worked in contracts before or, you know, have had to do contracts themselves. Look at it. Yeah. Perhaps they might spot something you didn't see or um, get a lawyer because you don't want to be stuck in something that you can't get out of. And um, especially if it turns out, like I said, the money's hollow. And then you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, like, oh, crap, I'm here for, you know, five years. Or someone can't. comes and knocking, hey, I want to publish this. Well, I can't because I'm locked into a contract here for two years with so-and-so and I can't yep. do anything with yep. my – they have my publishing rights. Yep. Which is something else. With contracts, you might – you have to be careful because you might sign away your merchandising rights. Mm-hmm. You could sign away your publishing rights. You could sign away several of your rights. I mean, obviously, you can tell we've dealt with contracts and we've had mm-hmm. to deal with many contracts for mm-hmm. different different things. And you just have it checked and make sure you do your homework on your contracts before you see as you agree to anything. Yeah, because there are, there are a lot of things that can be buried in there too. Just one mm-hmm. sentence could you know yeah totally come make back a to difference. Haunt you. Yeah, um, so check it, check it. Have your friends check it. You know, check it. Yeah, just be careful. You know what you're signing, and never never sign anything out of desperation because you have you have you know especially and this kind of goes with the uh, the whole cheating thing unless you know who you're dealing with, you actually know who you're dealing with and there's a good track record there, whatever. Um, you know, do your homework. You know, somebody comes to you and says, Oh, I can make you famous and I can make you whatever. And, you know, stick with me, kid, and you'll be fine. Just sign your rights away. Don't stop yeah. and think, stop and think. Cause they need around. you more than you need them. Or why would they care so much to get you to sign? They obviously need you more than you need they, than you need them. And you have something that they think is valuable or they wouldn't be after you to sign. Right. Right. So, you know, stop and think um, before you sign and you're well within your rights. Like even even in publishing, if you're dealing with a real publisher, there should be no objection whatsoever to saying, hey, guys, I need a week or two to go run this around to my lawyer Mm -hmm. or to my literary agent or whoever I need to talk to first before we sign. Which is the perfect segue to the other part of what we're going to talk about. The other part, if you don't want the other way to make money in comics is to go via a publisher. Yes. Nice segue. Okay. Well, we'll talk about publishing. Okay. So publishing. Uh, That's your other option. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So if you don't want to do it yourself, if you're looking to, um, and man, we could go a lot of different ways with this because I think self-publishing goes along more with. uh, I think it goes along with the other part. Having having your stuff where you're doing it yourself, you're doing it on your own, your DIY approach, you know, kind of goes in with your website where you might print a handful of books or whatever. Mm And you're doing your own thing. Or crowdfunded on you know, right. Kickstarter or whatever. You're selling your merchandise through your site, through your distribution channels. The That's other, not the same thing as publishing, publishing. No. And there's nothing wrong with that because we do it ourselves where we write our own books and or do our own books and stuff. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's completely valid. Yep, yep. But the other, the other way to go is you basically let someone else do the legwork for you, mm-hmm. um, which is going through a publisher. And now not all publishers are created equal. 
Um, you've got folks that claim to be publishers that really aren't publishers. They're just good at throwing comics together, whatever, and maybe hopefully getting them into comic shops. And maybe hopefully after they get them in the comic shops, you actually get paid. And there's a difference. Oh, between the back end deals, you mean? The back end deals, yeah. There's the direct market. So when we're talking about comic shops, we're talking about the direct market. Okay, and that's you know the, your your comic shops ordering their books through Diamond and that that thing. The direct market is kind of shrinking. So, you know, there's there's that most comics are still sold through the direct market, and then the other option would be actually go through a a more traditional publisher. Uh, you know, like a bookstore kind of publisher. Yeah, the kinds of of and now some of those comics cross over because they have. You know, like I know Boom, I think, goes with, I think it's Simon & Schuster who gets their books into bookstores. So that's a different kind of a thing. Um, you're going to do your homework. We have to do your homework on this. You're because gonna, We cannot possibly tell you every. I mean, you're going to have to spend hours, weeks, Everybody's months. books are different, and what your best fit is going to depend on what you what you do. I mean, we, we could tell you what we do, but it's not going to be the same thing for somebody else who does a completely different genre, a completely different mm-hmm. style. I mean, like, our stuff's obviously not superhero books, so our stuff wouldn't be geared for places like, you know, the mainstream comic book Yeah, comic shop. Market. For anything other than, uh, you know, Marvel and DC and, and Image, it, you know, you're going to have a really, let's be honest, you're going to have a hard time selling your comics. You're going to have a hard time market. selling your comics sometimes with Image and stuff, too. So, yeah. I mean, getting them to pick it up because they're picky now. Image is a lot pickier than they used to be. Dark they, horse than that, too. Um, yeah. It used to be that, like, if, uh, basically, if you couldn't couldn't hack it at Marvel or DC, you'd go to one of these smaller publishers. And nope. it's not the case now. I nope. mean, uh, you know, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, they're all chipping away at... Marvel and DC. And a lot of the print people are coming into web comics now and they're coming in and they're with, with deals from these places already, you know? So yeah. it's, it's just that now that web comics has been more legitimized, I think as a, you know, in the eyes of the mainstream, mm. uh, people are that are, have the credentials and have the skills are and the coming in and the yeah, And let's be honest, that is it. The connections are coming into the market and they are, you know, taking a big chunk of the market. And mm. that's, that's why everybody, everybody who, no matter who you are, needs to put your best foot forward and up your game because, you know, you're just going to have to. I think the whole web comics as a whole is going to have to, you know, do their best. Yeah, because eventually what's going to happen, I know, you know, folks have talked about this before, but it's all going to become comics. And whether your comics are distributed digitally or, you know, on paper in the store, you know, it's not going to matter as much as, as what's the content like. Are your comics any good? And so you're not just competing with other people doing, you know, amateur comics. You're competing with people like Mark Wade. Yeah, the, gatekeeper, you know? the gatekeepers are coming to you now. A lot of people, yep. Okay, that's another thing. That's something that gets Tom riled up. Gatekeepers. Yes, they are necessary. And um, especially when you go into publishing and mainstream, you ha- their gatekeepers are very necessary. And the great thing about web comics was there was there was no gatekeeper, so you could anybody could try. Mm-hmm. But now that a lot of these places are moving onto the internet, I think you're going to see more and more. Where there's going to be a certain whether it be gatekeepers to the actual person or gatekeepers that's the actual standard that's set, whether it be a, a person or a standard. There's going to be some gatekeepers, and it's going to be harder. Yeah, it's going to be harder, I think, for, for people to do their comics independently. Like, I think it's going to be harder to just throw something up on your own website and, and hope to find an audience. Because well, now, no, I think you're going to be able to do that. It's going to be harder to find the audience. It's going to be harder to find the audience because you're going to have your audience is going to be taken by uh, folks that are – either their comics been around for years and they're already established and they've sort of become like a household name or you are going to be competing with the, you know, the Marvel DC crowd – 
you know, that, that their audience is following them from the comic shop. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tougher. I mean, again, we're, we're not trying to oh, discourage it's you. It's doable. It's doable. And that's where marketing comes into play because you're really going to have to market yourself to make sure you stand out and you, that you keep up. Right. And, and, you know, I'm even seeing now, I'm, I'm seeing the, the line sort of blurred between, you know, webcomic artist and print comic artist because I'm seeing a lot of webcomics people doing work on print comics too, you know. Right. Sort that's of, becoming the, yeah, people are going, moving over to that more, more, more. And, um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, the lines are blurred. And I think it's, it's just, like, there's a lot of people talking about why, why do we even call it webcomics anymore? It's just be called comics because technically anymore, it really it's isn't a distinction. There really isn't there is a distinction. A distinction. Um, you know, it used to be, yeah, it used to be that basically you did a webcomic if, if you couldn't get into Marvel or DC. Or just because you just wanted to. Once again, a lot of people are going to still do it because they're doing it for a hobby. You know, we're not talking about people just doing it for a hobby. We're talking about the ones who want to do it, you know, as I want to make money off this. I want to, I want the deals, you know, that kind of stuff. We're talking, we're talking to to those people. The people that are always going to be doing it as, oh, it'd be fun. Let's go put this up on the internet. We're not talking about them. That, they don't. Yeah, I told you guys to shut the podcast off like an hour ago. Because, yeah, because honestly for you (laughs) people, it doesn't really matter. You can do what you do your own thing. You rock. Just go do it, and and you'll be, be totally happy whether you get ten people reading it or ten thousand people reading it. You know, for you people, awesome. You know, this isn't this isn't going to be an, an issue for you because you're going to still be able to do what you need to do. Right. Um. But if people who want to do this as a living, it's going to get harder and harder. Yeah. So the best way, uh, you know, to do it for a living, other than you know, being successful doing your own thing, uh, would be to find someone else to pay you. For your work. Which, which you get to the gatekeepers again. Yeah, which again... People get mad when we bring up gatekeepers. They do because... They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it, but you know what? Anybody that's worked in comics um, or worked in any kind of creative field, they've gone through rejection. They've gone through the rejection process. And, you know, how you come out uh, the other side from that it pretty much determines you know whether or not you're going to be a professional. Because you can you take it one or two ways. You can be like, oh... The man's trying to keep me down. They're trying to keep me out. They're trying to, you know, punish me and boo-hoo-hoo, it's not fair. Um, chance, you, frankly, if your attitude is like that, you don't have the chops to, to you're, work You're better just to pay for, you know, Project Wonderful and try to build your audience and go that way, which is fine. That's totally fine. Yeah, you're better. You're not going to probably get the uh, the book deals and things like that the other way. No. Um, so you want to do that and you want to have complete control and not have anyone tell you what to do fantastic. You know, I think gatekeepers are coming to the internet. It's just a matter of time. They're, they already are. They're I know. here. They're it's, here. And like it's I said, whether like it be a person or a standard. The revolution has already happened. You just didn't catch on yet. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's going to start. And I know people get mad. They're like, you know, oh, gatekeepers don't matter. Gatekeepers don't apply to the internet. And it's like they're starting to. And when it comes to publishing, which is the second method we're talking about, you there is no way around it. You will go through right. a gatekeeper. You have a handful of people. Uh, who are in charge of making uh, publishing decisions pretty much for the entire industry. And and you're talking, you know, it starts at the agent level. Uh, nine times out of ten, you're going to need one if you want to get a book published. And that's another story entirely. By, you have to yeah, find outs- a reputable agent. Right. Outside, that's a whole nother. Then go do your homework on that because I can't even begin to talk to you about that here. Uh, Not that you want to be here for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a whole, whole nother thing. Uh, but if you're going... Uh, outside of the direct market, you know, outside the Marvel DC image, then you're probably going with a traditional book publisher. And yeah, you're going to need an agent to even get the attention of an editor. And the editor uh, is another filtering process. They're going to decide whether or not they like your book. And then even if they like your book, even if they love your book, 
they still have people they have to answer to. Right. You know, so. We know for a fact one place goes to a voting process. Yeah, most of them, they have an editorial board meeting, and the editor may absolutely love your book if he or she even gets to see it. Because, again, you have to go back to step one, which is the agent. And if they love your book, they take it to a meeting, and there are several people, including the marketing people and the publishing people and the money people, and they all look at it and go like, okay, you know, Will this make us money? Will this that's make the us money? money. That's, that's the, the bottom, bottom line. line. Are we going to make money on this? And it this also book? depends on what they're buying because they go in cycles. It's like, you know, back, remember when the 90s, it was the 90s, all the movies would be they come in cycles. Or it was the early 2000s, like we had all the volcano movies one year yeah, and all no, the disaster the, the meteorite flooding movies. movies one year. And it's just like they go in waves. And like people were talking about um, everybody's looking for the, you know, they're not buying the Hunger Games type books anymore. And we know that's, that they're not because they've already found it, they've already done it. So they're moving on to something else. And it depends. You might have the best book ever, and it's a fantastic book, and it's beautifully done, and the art's awesome. And just because they're not buying that particular type of book that year, they're going to say no. It doesn't mean the book's not good. Yeah, and and that's the thing too. And people don't realize, like even even the the, the handful of publishers in the traditional uh, the the book market, in the trades that do graphic novels, they only come out with a, with a small handful of books every year, and that's what they call their list. Uh, their list is going to be, you know, the books that they put out each year, and they may only put out four or five graphic novels that year out of all the right. Books and you're going up against people that are established, who's already, you know, have a proven track record, and they're getting another book deal, and you're going to be going up against them. Like yeah. you're going to be going up against like, you know, Rana Talgemeyers and you know, yeah. Kazakabishis and those kind of people. Yeah, you're going to be that's who you're going to be going up against. They're only picking five books that year, and they've got they've already got two or three of them. I mean, you have to remember that too. It, it, it's just it's gonna it's it's it, you can be done. It totally can be done. It can be done, but it's but not it's, easy. It's not easy. It's not easy, and it's you know I always tell people it's like you know especially if you're gonna go with a traditional publisher, you know, getting getting your book out there is is akin to to, to shoving a camel through the eye of a needle. You know, um, it's it's hard. Uh, but possible, but hard. Possible, but hard. And I I just again it's not to be negative, but we're just trying to tell you what your chances. Are because the more information you have, the better prepared you can be. Yeah, like one, like look into what they're buying. Like look into seeing what what, what kind of books they're buying right now, um, and see if your book is something that they're buying right now. You know, definitely try to get an agent and try to get in there because that's what that's the kind they're they're looking for at the time. And yeah, but realize too that the books that are on the stands today were probably purchased. Two well, that's years why ago. I said look at what they're buying, yeah. not what's being put out. And if you're that's serious about point, that, that's not what I was meaning. Yeah, yeah, you'll find places and you'll you'll get into the industry sites and whatever, and you can see who's buying what. And then you have a better idea of what is going through right, right now. And that's going to be, I mean, that's that's half the battle right there is what are they looking for. The other half is make sure your stuff is the best stuff you can possibly put out because, I mean, let's be honest here. If you're putting out something that's not that great and it's going up against, you know, three other people who have fantastic pieces, you know. Yeah, multiple been, Eisner Award winning cartoonists and, and your stuff is just not. It's, it's you know, going to be a harder sell. So most, most people who publish comics are, are going to be going through, you know, your traditional, uh, your direct market. Um, Whether it be comic books, places like Image, Dark Horse, Boom, those kind of places. Yeah, or, or even smaller, you know, you've got like Action Labs and, and those sort of uh, other smaller publishers. Um, and they're good at getting the books into comic book shops. And, uh, and that's something and you Sometimes need, bookstores, depending on who they are. Depending on who they are, depending on the size. Like IDW and Dark Horse, you know, they've been pretty good at getting their books into bookstores. But they're pretty sizable compared to a lot of the smaller publishers. 
but it might be a good option for you, you know, even if it's just getting your feet wet to, to go with a smaller publisher, if you can, again, it always comes back to every publisher, whether it's, you know, a small mom and pop shop to the biggest, you know, random house or whatever, they're going to look at your work and they're going to say, Hey, am I going to make money on this? Yeah. Um, cause that's so, what their goal is. Yeah. I mean, any publisher, they're looking at you to see what, if they can make money, but not just for themselves, for you as well, but mostly for themselves. Let's be yeah, honest. Let's be honest here. Yeah. But so, that's, that's how the business works. I yeah. Mean. And everybody wins if, if you have a success. Um, but, you know, you're asking somebody to put, you know, if you're on the direct market level, they're still going to be investing, you know, thousands of dollars into printing. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to say, you know, you can do everything yourself and do the Kickstarters and, you know, putting things on Amazon. You get, we sell lots of books on Amazon and stuff, ebooks and mm-hmm. things. You know, you totally can be successful doing that. I mean, you, that doing everything yourself and not, you know, but you're, you can, if you go to the other place, they have the muscle, the marketing muscle, the connections to get it to a place where you probably would sell more books. Yeah, it's, you know, contrary to, to popular belief, I mean, you can, you can get into Diamond. Um, but it's considerably harder now than it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Um, you know, it's not that easy to get into Diamond. Diamond, again, they're going to look at your book and be like, are we going to make money off of this? And they're also going to look at your stuff and be like, you know, how much stuff do you have? Are we going to have books oh, yeah, from you true. every month? Or are we going to have books from you, you know, once, once a, a year? year? You know, um, if you're only going to put a book out once a year, then chances are you're you're better off. If you want to get into Diamond, you want to get in the comic shops to go through a publisher yeah. that has other material that they're putting out every month um, because Diamond definitely takes that into consideration. They're very reluctant to let new publishers in. Um, now, I mean, it's just really hard, and they like people with track records. So, well, so do publishers. They, if you have a proven um, platform, you're more likely to get you know, picked up than you are someone who doesn't. Yeah, and it's – I mean – you know, the way publishing looks now, it's 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 very much a chicken or egg scenario where it's like you need the audience to get the attention of the publishers uh, to get more attention to drive the audience back. You know what I'm saying? Right. To get the media attention. And it just becomes this big, you know, um, thing. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's very hard. I wish I could tell you there was like a, a secret formula for getting – big or getting attention and and I, I can't do that no everybody's done differently because yeah we're just talking about what we're trying to tell you is we're just trying to talk about different ways to get your stuff out there whether it be all you do on your own or if you try to get through a publisher um how to market yourself and make yourself a little more appealing to readers coming in or to other places that might pick mm-hmm. your books up again if you want to present something to a publisher um an agent is the best way because they're going to tell you what to do to make it more sellable to a publisher yep. um and in, 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 in web comics, in putting them online, you're talking to people who may be in a position that they've done it for a while and they know what they're talking about and they've got an audience you'd like to have. might be better to tell you that, oh, you know what? If you Maybe if you move your ads a different direction or if you change the color of your site or some things there that you know, you're bringing people in, this would help keep people there. Right. You know, so um, that's what we're trying to. Yeah, and again, that's, that's something you're going to have to figure out. Like, what do you want to do? You know, what's your goal? If your goal is just to have you know, put your stuff out there and get some people reading it and get some feedback and then go back to the day job. That's awesome. That's respectable. A that's lot what we did for, that. we've been doing for years. Yeah. You know? and, and a lot of people do that. But if you're looking to actually make money off of it, there are several directions you can go. And if you're looking to actually make a living, then you've got to start thinking a little bit bigger and plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know, even back to the, 
the kinds of material that you produce. You know, is is the stuff you're producing well, that's publishable? True. You, well, not even just that. Just on the internet, you can niche yourself into oblivion. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful too. Like um, when we did Shadowbinders, we actually deliberately made sure that we touched on several different genres. Um, one because those are the things we liked, and that was kind of story we wanted to tell. But also, we planned it that way because we knew that the more genres we touched on, the more marketable it would be. Yeah. So the more audiences um, you could interact with, and more people you come, you could, you could get to come into your comic. So it was kind of designed that way. And I think sometimes you people go about, oh, the niche, the niche. And I think that sometimes you can niche yourself into oblivion because you pick such an obscure, you know, little air niche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you could do like, you know, I'm going to do a comic about Scandinavian fly fishermen for Scandinavian fly fishermen. Okay, that's cool because, you know, you're only going to have a handful of people that are going to relate to that. And you wonder why you look on the Internet. Uh, the web comics are the most popular tend to be the ones that have the most mass appeal. I mean, obviously you've, you've got you know, the big video game comics, which appeal to a lot of people because there are a lot of gamers out there and there are a lot of them are online. Uh, you've got, um, you know, the RPG theme comics. Again, a lot of RPG gamers online. Mm-hmm. You've got, uh, the goofy humor viral type comics because, you know, you cannot even be a, a, a reader of comics and enjoy those and share them on Facebook. Yeah, so just what genre you picked is going to determine how well you are, your, what, how much marketing you have to do and how, where you're already standing as far mm-hmm. as getting attention to begin with. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like so many different things that come into play. I mean, it would take forever. And yeah, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to muddle through that yourself. I mean, you're going to have to decide what you want. I mean, if you want to tell a, a small story just because you want to tell it and you don't really care you know, where it goes, then, you know, you, that's, that's the great thing about the internet is there is no gatekeeper. So they can't tell you, well, this doesn't sell. Well, it doesn't matter if it sells, I'm putting it out there and that's the heck with it. Um, but if you're looking to go bigger and you're looking to have a larger readership, then you really need to sit down and think, you know, what kind of material do I need to be producing to, to hit that yeah, I mean, we come from this, too, because we already had, you had a marketing background before we started, so we kind of already knew that to a degree. And it's just, you know, it, it we had, like, I don't know, it was a year ago or so, we had a real eye-opening experience talking to some people and um, that were higher up and knew, it, you know, some stuff that was going on, and we didn't even think of half the stuff. Half the stuff we're no. telling you now were things we hadn't even thought of a year ago. Yeah. And it matters, you it, know? It, yeah, it does matter. And, uh, you know, if we had it to do over again, I think we probably would have, have started differently. Um, you know, we had a basic idea. We wanted to tell a story, but we didn't have a game plan. We really, I I think we really Mm -hmm. needed a game plan and that would be the strongest advice I can give any creators. Like before you put pen to paper, you know, where do you want to go, you know, Mm -hmm. with whatever it is you're working on? Because if you don't think about it now, uh, you might be kicking yourself three years from now. Right. So maybe take a, a little bit of time after you listen to this and think about, you know, yeah, where do I want to go? What are some things I could do to, you know, market better? If I'm advertising, I'm not getting uh, much of a, a retaining, a re- I can't even speak. I'm not retaining many readers. Um, then you can take a stop and look at your comic and think why. Ask some people that, you know, that would know or that, you know, you think that you respect that might be able to tell you, hey, can you see some things about this that I can do better? Because with anything, you know, still sharp and steel, and the more that people are coming in that from that have experience from the industry, the harder the competition is going to be. And um, 
it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, it is. There, there's going to be. It's going to be. Um, even five years from now, it's going to be five a lot. years ago. It was completely different than even now. Yeah, even when we started. I mean, we started four years Not ago. Not quite four. I was like, yeah, we started working on it four years ago. We didn't actually put it up until like three and a half years ago. But I mean, at that point, the old, you know, quote unquote, old business model web comics was still there, where you basically just put the stuff out there and you hope for some ad revenue and you built an audience. <laughs> and it's there's so many things have popped up since then. Well, yeah, now you have the it's, crowdfunding, and we can talk about yeah. that in a minute too. But. Um, but like for us, I remember we hit certain levels of numbers and you're like, Hey, we hit these numbers. We should be making lots of money. And we would have been five years prior. Yeah. But when we hit those numbers, we're like, well, this sucks. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. this is what we thought. Yeah. Because, you know, even 10 years ago, people with, with less traffic than we had, were making a lot more money. Yeah. And, so uh, it's just, you know, it's a, it's just, it's just a, a heck of a thing. And then you go into like, um. Now we have crowdfunding, which we didn't exist a few years ago, and crowdfunding is really good on some levels, and I think it might be starting to dry up on others, and you're not seeing the huge, gigantic Kickstarters you saw, like, a year ago, two years ago, now. Yeah, I don't think you're, I mean, to be completely honest, I don't think you will ever see another order of the stick. Well, the reason, the reason I think that they're taking such a hit on the Kickstarters, besides the fact that we talked about last podcast, you know, those things that happened when when we were there, is that there are so many that aren't delivering on what they promised. And um, I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about, it's just helping the industry as a whole. I mean, if you're going to do a Kickstarter to help everyone deliver your Dang books. And then, you know, if you're going to help everyone advertise other places outside of comics, because it's helping you, but it's helping everyone because it's bringing people in who might not know what a webcomic is. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, because, uh, you know, a lot of people that actually buy comics don't read webcomics. They don't even I mean, know it, they exist half the time. We say we're webcomic, we're like, what the heck's that? Yeah. There's um, comics on the internet? They're free? Are you kidding? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the more you get it out there, it helps everyone. Well, we used to, like, when we did conventions, we used to ask people, uh, you know, one of the first things I'd ask them is, hey, do you read webcomics? And they would just give me this blank stare. But we knew they were at the comic convention, so they read comics, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, like, what's that? Yeah, and I had to actually sit there and explain to them what a webcomic was. and and But really, you know, I don't think that that divide exists so much anymore. No, it doesn't. But my point is people don't know they're there. Right. I mean, like I said to you before, if you take a big pie, and of all the pie, these are the comic readers. You know, you have a tiny percentage, actually, webcomic readers. That Most of them are, are print comic readers because they don't even know webcomics exist. So by by advertising on places like Google that you're advertising outside of webcomics, um, people might come in and be like, well, what's this? And they click on your ad and they're like, wait, there's something called webcomics? What the heck's webcomics? And then they tell their friends and so on. So I think one of the things that we're going to have to do as a, as a whole is bring people into webcomics that aren't webcomic readers. Yeah. You know, spread the word. Yeah. Another nice thing about webcomics is because of the diversity there, too. You know, that there really is something for everybody. There is. People know um, that they're there. Yeah, but it's kind of, it's kind of funny. You're talking about conventions and, and talking to you know people about webcomics, and it's kind of a double-edged sword sometimes, though, too, because like I, I know there have been... I can think of at least four or five instances where we've been in a convention, we've had our books, somebody picks our book up and they're going to buy it, and then they stop and think and they're like, wait, this is online for free? I'm like, yeah. And then they put the book back. That's true. But we also, <laughs> but, but <laughs> so, on the flip side of that, we've also had them come back the next day and said, hey, I went and read it happened. online, and I really liked it, I'm going to buy the book. Actually, I don't think it's really hurt us that much that it's no, not. Some people just prefer... Even physical yeah. copies of books. Yeah, and I know we've had. Well, it's kind of like you know TV and, and DVD. Mm-hmm. It's like if you like a show enough, you're usually going to go out and buy the box sets with all the, right. the extras. And, and if they don't buy the book, they might come back and buy something else that 
okay, I like this comic. I'm going to read it online, but I want to buy your posters to go with it. Or mm-hmm. I want to buy, you know, this cool necklace that, you know, has a character I like on it. Or, you know, whatever. So I think it it kind of balances out there. But I'm thinking, you know, as a whole, the problem I think webcomics are having, well, the, it, now that the comics are moving in, it's all comics, it's kind of improving the situation. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's making it a little more... Um, People are understanding what it is a little more, especially like with comicsology and places like that where you can digitally buy comics and things. But I think the best thing people can do, uh, besides marketing your own things directly, I think is just spreading the word and marketing web comics in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if people don't, sorry about the weird noise in the background. That's our cat. Hey, Mew Mew. Um, <laughs> so um, we're talking, but we're not talking to her. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I hear you talking, but what are you talking about? Where's my scratches? Anyway, um, so. What you're going to have to do, I think, is uh, just in general is spread the word about webcomics to, like, everyone. And when you go, you know, go to conventions and things, tell people, here's what webcomics are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to help everybody. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'll help everybody. Um, but, uh, see, so what else do we have to, to talk about? I don't know. What else do we want to talk about? Um, um, I touched on crowdfunding. Talked about crowdfunding. I mean, that would be a whole other well, that that goes along with doing it yourself, the DIY yeah, approach. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, that that could be a whole other... Well, we talked about advertising, and we talked about publishing, and we talked, which is pretty much the two main ways that you go to build, either build an audience and have, you know, a lot of ad revenue and selling selling your, your items through crowdfunding mm-hmm. or whatever, or conventions, or doing the publishing route, whether it be, you know... Books like, you know, in the comic book stores or books in Barnes & Noble. Yeah, a lot of what we're talking about now actually comes from us doing, you know, several panels the last couple of years. And we talk about a lot of this with, you know, different colleges and whatnot we mm-hmm. go to. And, um, you know, same kind of thing we tell people. And the first thing we ask them is, you know, kind of where where are you at? I mean, anytime we do a panel on webcomics or on self-publishing, we ask people where they're at because people have different goals. Some people just want to know what program to use to draw comics right. you know, and other people are like, okay, I got my comic out there, but I don't have any readers. What, what do I, I do? Wrong? Right. And it's just, we're just trying to, you know, I know people don't want to hear something sometimes and I'm not, you know, bashing anybody because everybody has different opinions and different views and that's fine. Um, we're just telling you what we've learned. And this is not just from doing comics. This is from what we've learned from doing, you know, print comics off the internet what we've done you know learn from doing marketing in general for other companies because tom used to do marketing for companies that did stuff with fortune 500 companies yeah. so i mean he I knows mean, his stuff business, business is business yeah. and there's nothing you know really different about you know marketing your comics marketing your web comics and there's marketing another company it's just you have to know your demographic and you have to know you know where to find potential customers for lack of a better well, term. well demographics that we didn't cover that's actually a good one Explain to what a demographic is for those who don't know. Um, demographic would be the the target audience, the the the, the people um, that read your comic. Like you could say, well, my demographic consists mostly of uh, you know thirty year old women who like to knit or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be. But there are comics about that. There are. So That's why I kind of like you should do comics for everything. I remember thinking that was such a strange demographic, but it's true. Or my comic is about. You know, um, you know, middle-aged men who like motorcycles or whatever. That tends to be our readership. Our readership, you know, is a pretty much a fifty-fifty split. That's male-female. Male-female. But we touch on several genres on purpose, and as they, I mentioned before. Yeah, they tend to be eighteen to twenty-five. No, they're older. Some of them. Well, some of them actually are older. older. It went older. It was like we have a wide range. 
Yeah. It's a wide range. But I know some one lady, one lady was like telling us about how she was letting her little girl read it. And her little girl loved it, which was awesome. But I was also as a parent, I'm kind of like, oh, I hope that's okay because there's some things that we have coming yeah, we up get, that aren't going to be that good for five-year-olds. get into PG-13. Well, hopefully by the time we get there, she'll be like 10. So. No, that doesn't matter. So, <laughs> that yeah, won't matter I mean, so she, much. She's gross with it. But my point, I mean, our point is we're just trying to like give you some things to think about. Um, yeah, and I know we threw a lot at you. Uh, like This so is we, a long podcast. We usually don't do this long no, of a podcast No, and we probably ever. won't ever do one this long again. We actually, this is like our third attempt to do it, and we sort of condensed it down. There's so much, because you could take any one of those uh, subjects that we touched on and expand and do mm-hmm. several podcasts about them. Um, but really, you know, in the end, it's going to be up to you. You're going to have to... We're going to have to do your homework for you're, one. You're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to work on making the best comics you can possibly make. Right. Um, you're spread the word in general of web comics. Spread the word. Get out there and network. Um, you know, and it, it really is is going to be up to you uh, as to where you go. You know, mm-hmm. with your your career or potential career. And don't um, just listen to us. I mean, go hit on other absolutely listen to uh, other podcasts or like webcoms dot com or different places like that, and you know, see what they're saying too. Because you might find a combination of things work better for you. I mean, for us, what works best for us is we kind of just like do whatever everybody else is doing, kind of do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of do. We we yeah. I mean, we what the conventional. When I say what I mean, the conventional wisdom is. Yeah, we do take a lot of chances. I mean, we do we, we more do than we should sometimes. Probably more than we should. Um, you know, well, and what some, crazy things are they going to do this week? Sometimes it's paid off. Sometimes it hasn't paid off. Uh, but we're still. I mean, you know, where we're at right now, we're not going to tell you that we know everything. We don't. We're still no, trying we to find don't. our our way. Um, now we do know some things to avoid just trial and error. We've, we've run into mm-hmm. situations or who we, we, people we've talked to that, you know, or in publishing or, you know, we have some people that are agents and such and was talking to them, you know, we pick up some things that, you know, we didn't even think about and we're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. next podcast, we're going to do one that's on writing. I'm not sure if we'll put that one up before this one or after this one. I talk about the, like the, the matrix and taking the pill. <laughs> kind of felt like, I kind of felt like we got the pill. Yeah. But again, that, that comes down to not having a game plan. You know, when we first started, we just kind of like started putting stuff out there. And mm-hmm. you can put stuff out there for years. And just because you put it out there for years doesn't mean that you're going to ever be truly successful with it. You know, um, and we're not trying to be harsh. I mean, we're trying not to be like, I know we got online, people got mad about us. And we're not trying to be harsh. But. Trust me, we're being much nicer <laughs> than what they're going to be to you. We know this for a first-hand yeah. experience. It's better better you hear it from us, you know, in the privacy. Because we're on the home. same side. We're and on the same side cry. as you. You can have a good cry before you go out and, and deal with the, the editors and the publishers and the, the gatekeepers. Yeah, because we're on your side. And when we're saying this, we're saying this in, from a place, you know, like a parent telling their child. We have the word parents. You know, you know what Tough I mean? Tough love, baby. Yeah, it's like we want you to yep. do well. We yep. want everybody to do well because it only benefits everybody else for everybody else to do well, you know? And it's like we want you to do well. So we're going to tell you, a, you know, and sometimes people don't want to hear it. And I'm sorry, but those people who don't want to hear it usually don't haven't talked to people we've talked to to tell you this. The people that don't want to hear it are the people that are still living, and and this this irritates me too. And this is actually one of the and I, I've talked about I've talked about this in the other podcast too, where one of the biggest disservices you can do to people is lie to them and tell them that everything's okay, and if you're good enough and you're smart enough and doggone it, people and like you're not you. negative. Then you're not negative. Keep that negativity piled up. That if don't you spread just spread around the internet, you know, work hard enough that you'll you'll achieve your dreams, and it'll all just fall into your lap. And I'm sorry, but it's a steaming pile of horse shit. Life doesn't work that way. You know, um, 
and I wish it did, and I wish I could tell you that it was that easy. But if it was that easy, there'd be a lot more people doing this. Gosh, I look back at all the stuff we've done, and I get a headache. Cause I'm like, how if, if you if, okay if you had told us when we started about all the stuff we were gonna all the hoops we have to jump through, and we're still nowhere we're near. Still hoops. We're still Every nowhere near doing this. Yeah, and it's like. I would probably not have done it. To be no, honest that's with you. the thing, and that's I'm why like, I think a lot because a lot of people. But I'm that, so glad we did. Right, a lot of people that try to sell people on the dream, you know, a lot of times. Well, sometimes there's you know financial incentive for them to try to sell you on that dream, um, but they're not telling you the nightmares that they had to go through a lot of times, you know, to get there. And in most, like you look at some of the most successful cartoonists or creators out there authors or whoever and and you look at their story and their story is going to be a big convoluted mess because there is no clean well that's people, line, i've heard people talk you know, about other podcasts and stuff too is that you know the overnight success is not an overnight it success. doesn't happen it just way. doesn't work we were watching the katie perry movie because our daughter likes katie perry and oh my gosh the stuff she had to deal with for years before she even got a chance that's yeah here's where it gets go fun. watch that that's a good one yeah this is funny. it's on netflix okay and this is i mean i can't believe i'm actually recommending this but as a creator, go watch the freaking Katy Perry movie because, like, people think she came out of left field and she just, like, magically appeared and she was the pop star of the month. But the crap she had to go through to get there, going with the record companies and the agents and the whatever, I mean, there's a lot to it. And and the thing is... is ultimately, you, they, were all, they all worked together and got her where she is. Eventually, but. they... Yeah, and that's the thing, too. People don't realize, like, you look at his success, whether it's, you know, whether it's comics or you know movies or, or music and and that that creator is like the tip of a huge iceberg mm-hmm. like there are people upon people upon people underneath that person you just happen to see that that tip you know that mm-hmm. you see Katy Perry but you don't see like all the people that had to come together to make Katy Perry Katy Perry mm-hmm. you know and um, unfortunately, some people forget about that. I think, <laughs> I the webcomics, I think it's the readers and the people that are like the engaged ones and the supporters that yeah. spread the word. There are like the ones that, you know, push the tip up. You know what I mean? Right. And unfortunately, and other some, creators help each other, you know. And unfortunately, some people, you know, tend to, to get to a certain point and then they forget, you know, how they got there. Yeah. And you hear about that happening all the time. Yeah, Justin we weird. And, uh, <laughs> well, not just in general. I mean, that's something else that drives me insane is people like arrogance. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I yeah. hate people that are super arrogant. And some people, you know, have earned the right to be arrogant and they aren't even that arrogant. And there's people that, that do nothing. And they have the biggest egos I've ever seen. And I understand part of it's because they're trying to fake it till you make it and try to make yourself look big. And then if, people, if you think you're big, other people will think you're big. And it's like, no. no. People just think you're full of crap and they can't stand it and they want to slap you. So yeah. just don't be a jerk. Never be a jerk. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tweet. Attitude and attitude do coincide. Yeah, I, I tweeted about that uh, not too long ago. And uh, people were kind of like, what are you talking about? That, you know, Twitter is like filled with folks that talk big, mm-hmm. and especially in oh, the not just Twitter, social media in general. Social media is filled with in a lot life. of people that talk big, and you know, and this I said this in the other podcast too. And my thing is like, if you truly are quote unquote big, whatever that is, you know, other people are going to do the talking for you. You're not going to have to. You don't need to pat yourself on the back. But I know public. some people we know personally too that just oh my gosh, really. You know, it's like it's not all about you all the time. And it's just do not be a dick. No matter how big you get, do not be a dick. It's just, you know, if someone asks you for help and you're able to do so, you know, like say, you know, oh, yeah, I can take a look at it. Do it. Don't be a jerk to people because there's nothing worse than a jerk. I'm sorry. There just isn't. And when I we were out, my sister and um, my brother-in-law and I, we were out in L.A. for a while. We did. We used to sing and we did a show out there and stuff. 
And one of the things they used to tell you out there was, you know what? The people that get the work are not the people who act like arrogant jerks. Yeah. And a lot of, even TV shows, they get rid of actors and ban them because their attitude sucks so bad. It's like... Yeah, it's it's a job just like anything else. Are you going to work with someone who's difficult? They want people to work together. You know? No, you're not. And uh, yeah, you're, you're a, even, like I said, even if you're a big name actor, you're still a relatively small part of a bigger Right, and you need thing. to work with a team. Right. And the thing with webcomics, too, is like, you know, you might be doing your own book, but there's a lot of webcomic people, you know, networking and things that, to, to, to further, just to further your, your, your reach and the reach in general, you have to work together. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, that comes back to, you know, the, the first, first rule of marketing is, is, I think, is networking and, you know, meeting people. And if people get the sense that you're a grade A asshole... Uh, they're going to avoid you like the mm-hmm. plague and they won't call you when opportunities arrive because they know you're going to be a drama queen and you're going to be difficult and demanding and they're going to give the opportunity to someone else. And eventually mm-hmm. you can only burn so many bridges. And lying and faking it too, back to the advertising thing is only going to get you so far too. Cause people eventually going to catch on that you're, you know, contradicting yourself and you're faking things and mm-hmm. you're full of crap. It's just like, you know, just be true to yourself and be honest and do the best you can do. I mean, that's all anybody can do. Mm-hmm. And don't be a dick. I'm sorry, but that's going to come and reiterate that's, that again. Don't be, be a dick. Closing thought. Yes. Go forth, make comics, do well, but don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Okay, well, I think we're probably going to wrap things up. Yeah, that, if you, and if you've made it I this can't far, top that. if you've made it this far, yeah, you usually can't top me. If you've made it this far, then, then, you know, congratulations and thank you for listening to our rant and long winded discussion on. Yeah, there. Many I mean, things. this is this is actually this is actually I think a condensed version of the. We other. allow we we put more into it than we had in the other versions. We wanted to talk about things, but we just didn't go there. We yeah. just went there. We just went for it. Yeah, we tried to cram everything in like forty five minutes, and and you can't. There's too much to talk about. This is probably as close to one of our panels as you'll get without actually seeing us at the convention. Well, no, it depends on the panel because usually, well, it depends on the panel. If it's a one oh one, this is not the same thing. This is like one oh three. It wouldn't be a one, it would be like a two, you know, or something, you know, it wouldn't be a one. Okay, so anyway, yeah, so if you made it this far, thank you. Sorry if we ticked you off. If we did, sorry, we're just telling you the truth. That's right. We're not being jerks. We're trying to help people. We're trying to help. This is coming from a place of love, I swear to God. Tough love. Okay, uh, so we're going to wrap it up for now. Hopefully the next podcast will not be as long. No, we'll try to do a fun one next time so we're not just all doom and gloom and stuff and our other just readers who want creators can have something yeah. to listen to okay uh, as always www.shadowbinders.com I'm still here like we said before this is actually our third attempt at recording uh, a marketing podcast so what I'm going to do is attach a few of the uh, better parts of the first two podcasts uh, to the end of this one uh, most of the territory we, we covered in, in this podcast, there are a few differences, uh, a few rants that we didn't include, and we thought if you're, you're really interested in hearing some of what we had to say, uh, some of the more opinionated stuff that, uh, you know, we would uh, let you do that. Can't just throw it on the, no, there, there's a misconception that you just put it on the internet and people find it with Google or whatever, and that doesn't work. Uh, you're probably, at least at the start, you're going to have to advertise. You're going to have to spend some money. And people don't like that because they think you put it out there, you're going to get rich, you know, buckets of money. And well, how long should I wait until I start to advertise? 
Ah, uh, until you have something worth advertising. It's got to be quality if you're going to keep people coming back. You can't expect something that's not very good to attract a lot of readers. You know what I mean? And, right. and you don't have to be the best artist in the world to have something good. You could be you have fantastic writing, or you could, you know, have beautiful art. You know, different things that would attract readers. But if you if you have something up there that's not good, you, why waste your time? You know, with marketing it because no one you can have the best product. You can have the the most the biggest budget ever, mm. and you could funnel it into marketing. But if your product isn't something that's gonna gonna work. It's not going to be worth your really time. Yeah, and the, the, the term for that is retention. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to retain your audience. Sometimes they call it stickiness. You know, that sounds dirty, so I'm not <laughs> going to call it stickiness. But, you know, how, how, many, how many people have you actually retained from a marketing campaign? And that's going to depend on the quality of your product. And, you know, the example I use a lot of times is the Arch Deluxe. McDonald's pumped millions and millions of dollars into the Arch Deluxe in the 90s, which was a sandwich, and they forgot that, hey, the sandwich isn't very good, and they spent all this money on these crazy advertising campaigns, and nobody wanted the dang sandwich. They wanted the Big Mac, so it was a waste of of their money. Yeah, we meant that. That's right. He said a couple hundred dollars on advertising, not $2. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry to scare you, because that's actually a pretty conservative budget. I know. Um... Yeah, if 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 I scared you by 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 saying a couple hundred dollars on advertising, and I wasn't just talking about once, I'm I'm talking about like monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, if that scares you off, then you're probably not going to be interested in the rest of this podcast. No. If your goal is to have a hundred thousand readers, that's not going to get you there. I'm no. just telling you two two dollars. No, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, I'm just telling you. That's not you, being mean. That's being, that's being It realistic. might work the first, like, you know, six months. And uh, let's be honest here. If you want to do this for a living, you need the numbers. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And that's, and again, this isn't. two methods you can go. Yeah. There are a couple. I mean, if you want to make a living off of your web comic and you're looking mostly at ad revenue. Yeah. Okay, that's the first okay, way is ad revenue. That's the first way. Okay. Uh, Ad revenue shows and stuff like that. Right, right. Then you need a colossal amount of traffic to make the money necessary. Now, if you're just going to use it as a baseline, like, okay, I need two to $3,000 a month to live on, and that's pretty conservative for most people, you need a buttload of traffic. I mean, let's be honest Mm -hmm. here. You're talking, and I'm not talking, oh, hey, I got, you know, 20,000 page views this week. I'm talking you need, like, uh, millions a page views I'm a just month. trying to figure out what a buttload looks like. I don't know I what a buttload what a looks butt like, load looks like. But I'm trying to break it down. I mean, you know, you need to, to make two to three thousand dollars a month in ad revenue. You would need millions of page views, okay? Yeah. Uh, a month, um, based on current CPM rates. Okay, so to get those millions of page views a month, uh, you better have a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. Because there are tons of people out there that give advice on the creative side of yeah, comics. it's harder to find. The advice on what, you know, the truth. And a lot of times the realities, people don't want to hear the realities. No. When well, you start telling them it takes millions and millions of pages to make money, they're like, I don't want to, la, 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 I don't want yeah. to. But I've noticed that folks that are kind of like on the outside trying to ingratiate themselves with, uh, you know, a certain click, they tend to throw around the buzzwords. And it's because, like teaching. That's what they did. Yeah. It's like, too. oh, I know what you're talking about because blah, 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 blah. And then the, the people that have actually been doing it for years just kind of look at them like. Well, they understand nobody, what they're saying. Nobody talks They, they like understand that. what they're saying, but they're just like, 
okay. Yeah, and you hear that a lot. Like, you see a lot of these, like, pyramids marketing schemes and that sort of thing. And you see them online, you know, that they're trying to sell you whatever scam of the month. And they use a lot of those yeah. uh, words and a lot of that terminology. And that immediately, like, for me uh, personally, because I know so many people that work in the field, I'm just like, that. the radar just goes off. Like, okay, this guy obviously doesn't know what he's talking about because he's trying to convince me he knows what he's talking about, you know? Well, that's like what's teaching, too. It's funny because... When I would teach, I would seriously. When I, I, can I speak like that? Yes, I can talk yeah. about Piaget's and stages and paradigm shifts. It's funny because if you hear me in my teacher mode compared to what I usually sound, you wouldn't know it was me. And I can talk the talk and I can understand what they're saying, but I don't speak like that. Um, it's kind of like we run our panels. We have a basic idea of how we want to present mm-hmm. things, but then we just. But you that know, usually goes by the audience and the questions they have. You're right. We don't have an audience, so we're just, you know, sort of spitting into the wind here and hoping. Hoping it hits one of you. No, I'm joking. It hits one of you in the face. No, no. Return anyway, on investment. No. And I'm not saying, you know, be honest and tell people they stink ones. Not like that, because I would never do that. That's, that's just me. I'm saying I think you need to be honest about, you know, if you know something. And you, it'll help people, but it might not be what they want to hear, but it's honest. I think you should be honest. Yeah. But I guess you shouldn't do that because it makes people mad. Well, yeah. And, and we, you know, there were a couple of weeks ago I had, had an issue on Twitter. I was tweeting just, you know. Normally I keep you in check. I happen to leave one day. One day Cam leaves. It was like a month ago. I left one day to do Santa's workshop. And oh my God. Yeah. And I, I just tweeted a couple random uh, uh, tidbits of I advice. I just went away for one day. And he, Twitter kind of exploded. I had a bunch of private messages, emails, and yeah. So what he was reacting to a lot of it wasn't, it wasn't what was said publicly. There, there were some folks that were writing me privately. Um, that and if you're nice, it's okay. That's not the issue. Yeah, <laughs> very, very combative uh, right out of the gate, and I didn't take kindly to that because I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble or make you feel bad or anything. I'm just trying to help. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying I think people, one, were shocked that you said anything because usually you don't talk. And two, it's really, it's sometimes it's really hard to hear if you have your, if you if you think it's one way and then you hear somebody saying it's not, it's you kind of, you know. Well, I, I you know, I look at like, a, and, and I think what, what angers me more than anything, and I got to tell you, and this is, again, this is, you know. Yeah, you're pretty mad that day. <laughs> what angers me is that. You don't get mad at <laughs> There is, there is a movement in the creative you know, uh, the internet on online with yeah, the internet is online. Did you know that? No, really. I didn't know that. Still queen. I am, and okay, I'm wearing yeah. my astronaut panties. All right. Um, so yeah, there there just seems to be, and we we call it the kumbaya movement, which is I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay, and we're all good enough, and it's it's awesome, and that's that's great, and just be the best you you can be. Which is not bad advice. It's not bad advice, but. If you want to take it to the next level, which is I want to get paid for my work and I want to turn this into a career, then it becomes American Idol. I mean, for lack of a better term, it it, it becomes a much more difficult thing because you have to start dealing with other people. The gatekeepers are there for a reason. Mm. I mean... Okay, people say a lot of times that the great thing about webcomics is there's no gatekeepers. Well, that is true. I mean, a lot of people that, you know, can t- if your goal is just to tell a story, a story of your hobbyist, you have a chance where otherwise you wouldn't have had a chance. You can now print your own books and, you know, things like that where otherwise you couldn't do. And so that is one good thing about lack of gatekeepers. The bad thing with like, like lack of gatekeepers is 
the same then, thing that's good about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know, it's but, but the gatekeepers, the purpose of the gatekeepers is you have to go through these gatekeepers to be able to get to those other places. I mean, that's just the way it is. People don't like to hear that, but it's the way it is. It's a filter, and it's a. I mean, it's purest sense. And I mean, this isn't to offend anyone. This is not, so don't take it. But it this is, is a, worth stating fact. It is a quality filter because the companies out there that are looking to, you know, the, the the publishers and the media companies, they have certain standards. Yeah, because nobody's going to gamble money. Very seldom are they going to gamble on an unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when you you start looking at these bigger companies and you look at how much money. They have to invest into just a single getting a single book published, you know, is a monumental investment between the publishing and the editorial and the marketing. I mean, it's, ex- the, uh, it's expensive. It's expensive, and it's a lot it's more a logistic than nightmare. It's a logistic nightmare, and it's a lot more than just your hey, I kickstarted my book or whatever. Mm-hmm. For them, there's a lot more expense. Like you so, better, yeah, that you you're gonna sit here and tell me how it's gonna benefit me and make me money, and and I can't yeah. blame them. It's yeah, money. again, return on investment. They well, expect yeah. a return. On their investment, they're not publishing your book to be nice. You know, and publishing is not dead, by the way. No, I, I keep hearing this argument: publishing's dead, publishing's dead. Do I think the web's going to be the way? I, I do think the web is, you know, a strong contender for being the way things are going to go. I like it. Well, obviously, we're on it. I, I, I but publishing's not dead. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> it's know? ironic because the, the big thing now is is Kickstarter, and what are people kickstarting? Uh, print books of web comics. And yeah. webcomicers are making money with print versions of their comics. Heck, it's even the print industry is using it to kickstart their stuff now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, print is not dead. And actually, print is on a huge upswing compared to what it's been in decades. I think I think people want physical things again. Yeah. You know, I think it's cool that we can do so much digitally. But, but um, yeah, it's like I was talking with my mom the other night about records. You know, mm-hmm. you can buy anything as an MP3, and that's fantastic. But you don't have those those beautiful LP, the album art and stuff that go with it and all the, the effort that goes into that. And same with the, the print books. A lot of times the print versions of comics are, are just beautifully done. It's nice to hold mm-hmm. it and see the cover art and, and all the liner notes or whatever that goes with it. And you don't get that you know, right. digital form. And in so. comic comics, like the comic book type things, you need to get to a publisher. You have to – a lot of times now – they come to you. Yeah, it doesn't work the way. Now, once upon a year, if you wanted to break into comics, uh, and again, I'm talking Marvel and DC, uh, you would do, they, they used to do the five-page sample. Mm-hmm. And you, they would send you a dummy script for like Iron Man or Spider-Man or something, and you would you would pencil your five pages, and then you would, you know, schlep it to a comic book convention. You'd stand in line for an hour to go talk to an editor for about 30 seconds, and he would take one glance at your work and decide whether or not you had anything going for you. <laughs> or usually, do, or do what you do and just go right to the main office and show up. Well, there's that too, but most people don't don't do that. Hey, I printed a thousand copies of it. It's in my garage, you know, and I sell it at conventions that a handful of people go to. In terms of global audience, very few. People actually go to conventions or will find your table specifically at a convention. Right. Um, and I think people are concerned, too, with, well, if I get in with a publisher, they're going to give me a an advance. And then, uh, you know, I only get like a buck a book. Well, that may be, but they're the ones eating all the costs. They're the ones paying you to do the book. 
I wouldn't call us a publisher. We just distribute our own stuff. But we could do that. And if we were so inclined, we could tell people, hey, baby, we'll publish your stuff and yeah. do that. And, I mean, it ver- it's very easy. Wait, you better not be saying, hey, baby, to anybody. <laughs> I just don't what you said. You better not be saying, hey, baby, to anyone or you're going to be... But I mean, help at the, some level. Yeah, I know. Well, the the point being is that it's it's very easy to to uh, um, set up a publishing, and I'm using quotes here. You just can't see my fingers moving. A publishing business and claim to be a publisher, even if you're not actually a publisher. With the internet, I think it almost creates a uh, a very eye centered. Um, you know, so it's pretty appropriate they have iPhones, iMacs, because everyone becomes very self-centered because you're used to having your own channel, your own site, your own this, your own that. Your own niche, you, your own world. Where you run everything, and you might have your own sycophants that are on there constantly, you know, stroking the ego. But then in the bigger pond, you're not really that big. And if you want to get in with a larger organization, that's exactly what you're doing. You're getting in with a larger organization. Yeah. And if you ever want to have your eyes open... Go talk to some of those people <laughs> because, yeah, because you think we're mean. You, oh this boy. isn't being mean. This, this is, is being us. truthful. This, this is, is, we, we're, this we're, is you. we were trying very hard to be careful what we're saying to tone it down to not scare people. But yeah, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> <laughs>